0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the FO News Show. My name is Cale Clinton. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jackson Roberts. Jackson, a lot of news today. How we doing?
1: Man, oh, man. I feel like we say this every week, but the news just keeps getting bigger and snowballing and tying up bigger names across the league landscape. We've got some doozies of some stories to break down today, but Cale... Why don't you tell us who's presenting this year's show today?
0: As always, this week's show is presented by the one and only Underdog Fantasy. Now, Jackson, I like basketball as much as the next guy. But we... Best ball season is behind us at this point. Got a little bit more that we need to do. So what I could say is play underdog fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code outside. Even with best ball season behind us, underdog is other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the games. Try their battle Royale, a six round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional Fantasy sports sites, or you could try their pick'em game, where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat line. Even Jackson, even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available, you can join nice. the fun over at UnderdogFantasy.com, or download the Underdog app from your app store today. And remember, use promo code Outsiders Now to double your first deposit up
1: to one hundred dollars. That's energy right there. Yeah, after <sighs> it. If that ring endorsement doesn't get you an underdog fantasy, I don't know what's going to.
0: Listen, underdog puts the dog in me, <laughs> and I hope it can make you a little money on some sports as well. Let's first start off with a bit of a doozy, bit of a bombshell out of NFL ownership meetings. Colts owner Jim Ursay publicly came out and said he would support the dismissal of Dan Snyder and the voting of Dan Snyder's removal. Washington commanders over the exact quote. I believe there's merit to removing him as owner of the commanders. He actually said uh, the owner of the R words and by literal like R words, not the uh, former name up until 2019. Uh, but he was quoted saying that in the Conrad, New York, downtown also believes they have the votes. Need 24 of the 32 owners to approve a removal vote, has never happened before in the league's history. Ah, bit of a bombshell, Jackson. Do we gotta, should we recant for the viewers where this all kind of started? I mean, with this yeah, part I mean, how far slow, back?
1: How far back do we even wanna go? I think that we should start by acknowledging that within the last week the ESPN investigation where more than 30 sources were consulted came out uh, detailing among other things that Dan Snyder claims that he has dirt on his fellow owners and that is why uh, he will not be dismissed or why as he well believes as well as commissioner Roger Goodell dismissed. yes uh, there is also uh Yes, also true. There's also the uh, story that came out that the attorney in the Snyder case, uh, the attorney who is, of course, arguing against Snyder, uh, is concerned that the NFL gave Snyder the names of some of his clients that were supposed to be confidentially providing testimony um, about you know, detailing issues of workplace culture and harassment and things of that nature, and that Snyder used those names, that list of names, to then find those people and harass them into dropping their testimony. So there's a whole litany of things in play here. Um, this dates back several years, uh, all, the, all the claims of negative workplace culture. There are both NFL probes and congressional investigations into the overall dealings of Dan Snyder. Uh, but Cale, Snyder has addressed these allegations in a letter. I don't know if you saw that this week. Yes, I did.
0: Uh, the, the fascinating thing about this story is going to be uh, the copy that, continue, that someone else will have to write on Snyder's behalf that will continue to come out of uh, Washington Commanders' front office because it still is someone's job to do. Uh, the letter specifically uh, starts off, great, hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, you know, and, and it goes downhill from there, Jackson. Uh calls ESPN particularly shameful to, devin- to diminish uh the very real accomplishments of the president. Uh ESPN alleges that he's a figurehead with no real power, that it's all run by Snyder. Uh um commanders also said that uh they tried to give revisions to the story or corrections to the story that. ESPN denied. Uh, Snyder ends it with uh, essentially saying that the entire, you know, it, this also is in response to Ursay's quote, but ends it by saying they'll be essentially vindicated that once the investigation is fully done, there will be no such reason to fire Daniel Snyder, ask him to sell the team. Uh, But at this point, you know, Jackson, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a, you know, this starts as early back as reports of a toxic workplace culture, talks of uh, fostering a culture of sexual harassment and specific claims against Snyder himself. Uh, This does not, you know, in more recent years, it's gotten into legitimate crimes of not to, you know, lessen the impact of sexual harassment or uh, workplace harassment, but, uh, you know, cooking books on ticket prices
1: uh, to take a bigger share of the pie. Uh, I think this this is when owners really started paying attention, by the way. We could talk about workplace culture all we want, but as soon as NFL owners learned that Dan Snyder was taking money out of their pockets, that's when years started to perk up.
0: The bigger one to me is the uh, is the fact that uh, Dan Snyder's lawyer is now worried about witness intimidation. Like these are now real crimes, like like l- real legitimate felonious crimes. Uh, I I mean it's it, it feels overdue. Uh, Snyder is up there uh, as easily one of the uh, most vilified owners in sports. Uh, and for very good reason. Uh, I think there's also, you know, stadium deals have fallen through uh, in terms of moving the commanders to a new location. Uh, I, it, it almost feels inappropriate to ask, like, do you, you know, where do you see this going
1: from here? Do you think this gets done? You know, I think it's going to have to get done. You know, the the biggest thing that I've heard Um, just kind of in the news. uh, And I think, you know, Bill Polian said something along these lines at some point is that other owners want him to resign on his own, sell the team on his own. And that if the letter is any indication, or if Dan Snyder's overall behavior over the past couple of decades is any indication uh, that's not going to happen. So clearly Owners taking action is the only thing that's going to actually get this done and remove him. It is an unprecedented step. And that makes me think it's a step that when codified was something that the owners hoped would never have to happen, but we've reached that point. And I also think that this is such a, it's just an ongoing cloud over the NFL. It's already leaked out into other teams other powerful figures across the league it cost john gruden his job last year when he got tied up all tied back to the emails that were being uncovered in the snyder case like this story is not going away and it's not going to stop impacting the league the overall perception of the league until something gets done and i think the only thing you know, aside from literally Dan Snyder being thrown in jail, which could take years to litigate, would be the other owners stepping up and voting for him to sell a team.
0: Yeah. The biggest sign for me that this was going to potentially happen is the ESPN report. Uh, it, it is the poison pill. It's the fact that, you know, that report suggests that Snyder... Being taken down is a when, not an if. And Snyder was actively preparing to be, you know, if I'm going down, I'm taking a few of you with me, including Commissioner Goodell, uh, including, you know, several owners. But we'll see. This will be a story we continue to touch on uh, as it continues to develop because could have a new owner in the NFL pantheons. Moving on to Houston where the Texans, have fired Jack Easterby, the executive vice president of football operations. A, a fascinating character, Jackson. In uh, speaking of the you know pantheon of ownership, feels like a uh, a Game of Thrones character. Hired in 2019 uh, as a executive assistant, duties had expanded following the firing of uh, the dual head coach general manager Bill O'Brien in 2020, uh, has not particularly panned out well uh, in terms of producing product. Uh, As someone who does the uh, NFL draft report card report every year, uh, there was a significant stretch including Easterby's uh, tenure as general manager where Houston ended up consistently in the bottom five of consensus drafts, reviews uh, really could not bring in uh, free agents, uh, but more interesting than his actual role is sort of uh, the cult of personality that Easterby became. Uh, he was a team chaplain with the Chiefs, held a similar role with the Patriots that also included being a uh, character coach, uh, a very religious figure. Uh Quickly, quickly uh grabs power uh in Houston. Uh while they did hire a GM in Nick Casario, uh that uh that GM had very little power up until this past offseason, which with draft picks like Derek Stingley uh it clearly tells because they're actually hitting on players now. Uh but where does that leave us, Jackson with Houston? Is there any sense of optimism now that the uh now that the little finger of the AFC South
1: has uh, has finally been dethroned. I mean, I think so, and I don't think so all at the same time. There's still, you know, firing one executive doesn't improve your overall roster, right? It doesn't give you a franchise quarterback. It doesn't upgrade your line. It doesn't improve your 28th ranked defense if you go by DVOA. Um, but it's something, and. At the end of the day, B was just kind of this black cloud hanging over the organization for the last couple of years. Another figure who had a lot of negative press, sort of some, some different, but equally um, not bombshell. That's not the right word, but they were definitely controversial stories that came out uh, around the time, maybe around this time last year, honestly, that sort of were like, who is this guy and why does he have such a powerful role? What are his credentials? Where did he come from? Uh, and just sort of bemusing. Like, why, why does Jack Easterby have so much power? Now he no longer has that power. The Texans have also had a ton of turmoil in their head coaching situation. Uh, you look at the firing last year, first the hiring, and then the firing of David Coley is a story that I feel like nobody has really gotten to the bottom of. Why, why first of all, he was, I mean, he was hired in large part because nobody wanted that job. Uh, He had never even been an NFL coordinator at the age of 65, let alone a head coach. Uh, But then subsequently actually did a pretty good job with that team last year and still got fired, um, which has lawsuit written all over it to me, even though it's never gone that direction. It seems as though there was nothing he could have done in 2021 to keep his job long term. So the Texans are still a mess organizationally, but this is definitely – someone at the top who was a big contributor to that mess and maybe there is hope for the future.
0: But what's fascinating to me is just the fact that he was a he was a character coach, he was a players coach. First off, like aside from just having the most improbable rise to power from uh Chiefs team chaplain to uh running the front office for a team. Uh is is fascinating in itself, but it was a character coach that uh, could not get players on his side at all. Uh, it, you know, some reports I've seen directly credit uh, Easterby to uh, Deshaun Watson's initial trade request. Things obviously uh, changed, and more things came out during that. But the initial reports were that Watson was very dissatisfied with Easterby's front office uh DeAndre Hopkins actually tweeted out a uh, uh, seemingly celebratory tweet uh upon Easterby's firing he's a another star texan that was moved uh during the Easterby era uh just seemed like a complete teardown and as the Texans you know seems like they were in a holding pattern with Watson uh kind of waiting to actually make moves uh until they could get an actual trade-off and have a path for the future. Uh, It seems like a good thing that they've, you know, hit the hard reset, gotten him out of there. Uh, Just, you know, it just opens up a path for new opportunities
1: for this team. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what I was going to say is this is is rock bottom, but this is rock bottom in a good way. This is the team fully pivoting, bottoming out. Uh, Patrick Sealy in our YouTube comments asking, what is Nick Casario going to do now? All indications are that nobody else in this front office is affected by the Jack Easterby firing, that this is an isolated remove, remove one head and see what happens with the rest. So um, I think I think this is necessary only in a sense that things have gone from, you know, the Texans were they were a playoff team. They were the playoff team that, you know, loses to the ragtag underdog bunch in the video montage leading up to the championship. But they were a playoff team. Now they're super, super far from that, and it was clear that they needed an entirely new direction to ever get back to it. So this is this is the bottom of the valley, they hope.
0: Yeah, and especially just like I think that's the beauty of the position that Casario's in. Like Casario was a highly sought-after talent coming out of New England. A lot of people wanted him as general manager, you know now that he's actually gotten power now that you know the purse strings are relatively open gordon was spot rack houston's got the fifth most cap space in the league this offseason they have 11 draft picks in 2022 five of them are in the first three rounds and two of those are first rounders well and you know cleveland doesn't let's be real cleveland hasn't looked great jackson they, you know Sean Watson's not going to come back and save this Texans team. Uh, this defense, uh, while not having, you know, Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett getting hurt in the five minutes, not having Denzel Ward. This defense hasn't looked fantastic this year.
1: You know, Absolutely. so they'll get
0: they'll get two solid picks this year, two yeah. solid first
1: rounders. If, if, you if know. the draft were to happen today, it would be picks four and six for Houston.
0: And in a drafts like this, where it still feels like a lot of very strong defensive talent, a lot of strong wide receiver talent, and what feels like yet another, you know, decent to good quarterback class uh, with a lot of bodies, you know, sky's the limit for Houston. It, it, at least they finally have a chance to turn things around.
1: For sure, this is uh, this is not an ideal situation, but it's a situation that it's like I said, it's, it's, if you're on the sign curve, this is, you know, hopefully when it starts to, to tick upward.
0: And this might be the most Texans we talk about the rest of the year. Very Moving well. on another little ownership kerfuffle. Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones getting into a little feud at Tuesday's owner meeting. Uh, owners voted on Tuesday, uh, 31 to one to open negotiations on a new contract for Roger Goodell. ESPN had an interesting little spin. Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboys owner, was the lone dissentant in that 32-man vote. And from the ESPN story directly, sources said Kraft joined the overwhelming majority in strong support for the measure, with Jones the lone dissenter in the owner's only session, eventually telling Kraft, don't fuck with me. Graff replied, excuse me? And then Jerry Jones reiterated with a little amendment, don't mess with me. <laughs> uh, essentially, Jones has had issues with Goodell's bonus structure, and uh, from some that I've heard, his biggest problem is that he believes that the his era of cowboy success and the spin to TV is what is – created a lot of this money and has, you know, with Goodell still having a relatively good uh, reputation amongst NFL owners. uh, His personal belief from reports is that Goodell is making money off the backs of owners, especially Jones from what he's created, but fascinating development here, Jackson.
1: I mean, I was going to say, what a surprise that, uh, Jerry Jones believes that the NFL's success is uh, largely tied to himself. I, I would not have thought that about Jerry Jones. Uh, I also, you know, is just quoting Jerry Jones here, guys. I mean, we're not we're not f bomb droppers habitually, but Jerry Jones said it, not us. So, um, yeah. I mean, essentially, what what I get out of this story, uh, Jerry Jones has long believed that Goodell's compensation should be tied more explicitly to achieving you know, kind of the financial goals and metrics that the owner set forth rather than just based on a base salary. Uh, And he did successfully lobby the league to restructure Goodell's contract a little bit more so in this manner in 2017, the last time his contract came up for debate. Uh, But now he believes that those incentives that were set at the time are just kind of too vague. So it's an ongoing push-pull situation. And It seems as though this time around, Jerry is very much on the opposing side of the coin, uh, sort of a man backed into a corner by himself. And anytime that happens to this particular man, he is definitely liable to say some ugly things. Speaking of lobbying,
0: we're going to make a quick transition. Deshaun Jackson has lobbied himself into an NFL gig. (laughs) Listen, That's sure not you're using that word correctly, to work here, Jackson. Sean <laughs> Jackson made an appearance on the uh, live tour for the I am athlete podcast where did I mean to open that where he essentially said to an audience that he is not officially retired and he was looking to play with either the Ravens, Eagles, or Packers. Four days later. Jackson signed to the Ravens on a one-year deal. Technically Super Bowl champion off the Rams roster last year while he did end up leaving midseason or getting cut midseason and playing for the Raiders. Jackson with Rashad Bateman dealing with some injuries right now with the Ravens really having, at this moment without Bateman, two legitimate pass catchers in Mark Andrews and Devin Duvernay you think Deshaun
1: Jackson has enough in the tank to propel this offense forward? To some degree, I do. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, last season, uh, he did not reach the 50-pass threshold to qualify. But if he had, he would have ranked 50th in the NFL in DYAR, which doesn't sound like much. But if you kind of look at where he would have been on that list, he was right in between kind of your Russell Gage and K.J. Osborne threshold. Uh, you know, it's obviously a bit of a gamble. You know, 15 seasons, that's a ton of wear and tear. Uh, Jackson, a guy with somewhat of an injury history for sure, but it's worth a dice roll if you're Baltimore. You've definitely struggled to kind of find consistency in your wide receiver group, whether that's due to injuries or young guys still trying to figure out where they fit in. So, you know, I, I'm okay with it. hes It's not like he's been good, but, I i mean, its it's a – addition to a roster and you know receivers some in some cases like you know we're going to get into the cardinals maybe maybe there's such thing as just having too many receivers but i think if you're the ravens it's always worth kind of adding to that room when there's no kind of commanding figure that kind of commands the most targets
0: yeah i i want to address something that topher dole said in our twitch chat uh i know jackson is an exciting name has even had an average production season since 2018 maybe one or two deep targets a game but can anyone say he's a true number two I don't think he needs to be a true number two I think exactly the plan that you've laid out is probably the ideal situation for Jackson you know granted in the last three years uh 2021 was the first time he's played 16 games in some time. Uh, He 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 hasn't played a full 16-game season since 2013. He had not played more than 10 games in a season since 2018 uh, with a very banged-up 2019-2020 for the Philadelphia Eagles. But last year, according to Pro Football Reference, Jackson had an ADOT of 19, an average depth of target of 19. That's all you need Jackson to be is that deep. That in honest, in earnest, it's kind of how they're using Rashad Bateman right now. And Bateman, granted, has more positional versatility given just his youth, uh, and his given skill set at the moment. But I mean, that's essentially how they're kind of using Bateman right now. His biggest plays have been these massive explosives, uh, you know. These cover two center uh center field hole shots. Uh you know, they're using him more underneath, but he's got, you know, Bateman's got an eight out of fourteen point four right now.
1: For, yeah, they they need versatility, four they four need out. bodies. There's there's a number of things that the Ravens could use here. Uh, and I think that it's also a veteran in a very youthful receiver room. Uh, so even if he's not necessarily gonna be your wide receiver one or two, there's some veteran leadership there that I think helps. And, and, uh, you know, this is, this is a team that's so, uh, directly, you know, kind of wrapped up in another Jackson and Lamar Jackson, uh, great names, by the way, uh, that, that it makes, it makes sense for them to just kind of be diversifying their offensive portfolio, if you will.
0: Yeah. It, you know, with how run heavy the Ravens are with how, you know, seemingly dense their is you know using a lot of 12 uh it leads to a lot of you know heavy boxes if a if a piece like deshaun jackson can just open things up a little bit more it makes them that much more lethal and by the way you know lamar jackson is not you know this raven's offense usually identified as a run heavy team Sitting top five in offensive passing DVOA right now. Like, this is still a good passing offense. Moving on. NFL owners. They're in the news. More NFL ownership news. It's it's the most time we've spent in the league offices in some time. Owners have approved revolution, uh, resolution to Bill Stan Kroenke. 571 million dollars for the settlement in a lawsuit against the city of St. Louis. Settlement was announced last November, and the league's already paid about half of it, $7.5 million per team. And basically, the other 31 teams were pretty frustrated that they had to pay anything toward the settlement at all. You know, this this is pretty much solely on Kroenke for leaving the city of St. Louis. while the city city did sue all 32 teams, this should probably fall on the back of Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. And essentially, to boil it down, the city has said that the Rams violated the league's relocation guidelines and sued the other 31 teams for even allowing it to happen. Jack, does this fill the wound of watching your historic football team walk away and go to two Super Bowls within six years of leaving the city.
1: Well, it maybe doesn't fill the emotional void. It's not a bad thing as a city to make what will total up to be $790 million though. I mean, there's a lot of good things you can do with $790 million now we can get into kind of the semantics of, of this entire story, but <laughs> if you're the other 31 owners, do you kind of have a point when you're saying, why am I having to foot the bill at all for this very rich man who not just owns the Rams, but owns Arsenal, owns the Denver Nuggets, owns the Colorado Avalanche, owns multiple uh, esports franchises, m- owns multiple, uh, he owns the Colorado Rapids, Uh, And he also owns a lacrosse team in Colorado. He doesn't need, like, it's okay. $571 million, he has $12.5 billion. Uh, So pretty insane. I I like, uh, by the way, Brian Knowles, FO contributor. Nice to see him in our YouTube chat saying that uh, St. Louis now returns to its position as, quote, the city everyone threatens to move to. Uh Caleb, do you think that's true? Do you think St. Louis is back on the uh is, is back on the market, the hot new commodity? Yeah, of course it is.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question is do they get another football team? You know, you got a lot of money now. <laughs> they got a lot of money, they got the infrastructure, maybe some modern improvements, but you know, it's mostly there and you definitely have the fervor for it. At the moment, I can't really see, you know, until we get the London Bulldogs in the building or, you know. Uh, you know, we start looking to move cities to or teams to Mexico City. You know, I, I don't see many domestic options at this point in time better than uh, better than St. Louis, yeah, unless we, you know, I think the only other options in contention right now are maybe adding you know a third team to Texas and San Antonio. Or, you know, I, I don't want to spend the whole time speculating, but you know, there's not a lot more. Cities that have the appetite for football, the infrastructure uh, for an additional sports team, and just in general, you know, yeah. And Coral Skipper brings up another good point: St. Louis, so desperate for football that they're now contributing to minor teams in, you know, the XFL, bringing in the Battle Hawks. It's this is a this is a city that loves football and feels like the ideal market for football.
1: So agree. That is, uh, back in 2010, yeah, back in 2010, Stan Kroenke says, quote, I'm going to attempt to do everything that I can to keep the Rams in St. Louis immediately takes the city to arbitration over a clause in the Rams contract about the stadium saying that their stadium must be in the top tier of NFL stadiums and essentially immediately threatening to leave. Uh, if they won't let him out of his lease with the Edward Jones dome, uh, so this is a city that definitely, you know, they, they got screwed over. That's just, that's just kind of what it is, you know? And I, I, I do believe that there is beyond the amount of appetite requisite. It's just a question of, you know, is there going to be, is there any team that's close enough to relocation? Is the NFL in a position for expansion anytime soon? I don't know. I Sorry,
0: Brian just got me again. St. Louis is Charlie Brown. The NFL is Lucy. Uh, Moving on. New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara has been sued for $10 million in a Las Vegas assault that occurred hours after the Pro Bowl game in February. Uh, A man was knocked unconscious. Uh, Several injuries sustained uh, pretty much a – Massive uh, group on one sort of altercation. No court date yet settled by the NFL uh, or sorry. No court date set yet. Uh, There is no suspension or discipline uh, handed out by the NFL yet and no imminent punishment upcoming. Jackson, I do not know how to throw
1: this one to you. (laughs) This, This is a weird one um there's no other way to introduce it when do you ever see a player who is known to have been involved in some sort of violent incident an incident that's being um adjudicated in the court system and it's with just, video mind you with video and it's just out there on the field competing you know trying to beat the cardinals on Thursday night it's very very weird it It bears saying that, you know, any violent incident is bad, uh, but previous ones where guys have been, you know, kind of instantly disciplined, instantly suspended have been more so either domestic disputes or in the case of Deshaun Watson, it was more of a sexual assault, sexual harassment type of case. Um, This is obviously bad. Nobody should be knocking anybody unconscious. It's maybe a little, it's, 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 you know, kind of apples and oranges type of thing. Um, we certainly have not seen kind of just a player violently assault someone that, you know, that he didn't necessarily know from what we know. I, I don't even necessarily know where I'm going with this. It's a weird story, as I've said twice by now. Um, but, but I just don't, I don't understand why Alvin Kamara is just out there on the field when this is all swirling on around him.
0: The lawsuit claims that the plaintiff sustained neck, back, shoulder, head, and knee injuries, and has required continuous medical care. Moving on to stadium news. Tennessee Titans building a, or not yet, have agreed <laughs> to a $2.2 billion stadium complex. They have agreed to a deal with the mayor of Nashville. They have yet to get approval by, uh, I believe it's the Metro Board of Governance. But from all accounts, it looks like it's going to be a doozy. Uh, Again, $2.2 billion with a B. Dome Stadium, uh, facilities around it. Uh, The initial report alleges that uh, the inability to Uh, redo this stadium will cost the city of Nashville uh, somewhere in the ballpark of $1.7 billion over the next 18 years in lost opportunity because Tennessee Titans ownership has sold this as a place where they can host Super Bowls, college football playoff games, uh, the NFL Combine, as well as major major concerts that would normally otherwise miss the city of nashville taxpayers look like they're going to be on the hook for about 500 million dollars plus revenue uh the way that they've planned they've sort of laid out paying this out is titan's ownership putting up 800 mil uh they will receive 500 million dollars in state bonds to pay for construction And then Tennessee Governor Bill Lee is looking to seek approval on a 1% tax increase on hotel rooms and taking a portion of in-stadium sales tax to help accommodate payment for the stadium. It's been 23 years since Nissan Stadium opened, Jackson. If this gets approved, you making any road trips to Nashville?
1: I mean, maybe. That's, I mean, I don't. I didn't think that was the question you were going to ask me, whether or not my Nashville trips are coming through. I was supposed to make a Nashville trip in May of 2020, and we all know how that turned out. So perhaps at some point in the future. But <laughs> $500 million seems like a lot already if you're actually being footed with a much larger bill when you think about, you know, the taxes on things you buy going up granted it's 1%, but these are significant sources of revenue, hotel rooms and stadium sales. This is a lot of money. Um, I I love that like $1.7 billion stat. Anytime that you get a number for revenue being lost uh, on research done by a group that's kind of contributing the revenue. I mean, how can you not trust that information? I mean, their word is gold. $1.7 billion is $1.7 billion, right? Word is bond.
0: (laughs) It's the, I, I, I get it in the sense that, you know, Nashville recently has kind of boomed into, you know, whether it's hosting the NFL draft or, you know, just it's, it's burgeoning bachelorette party uh, economy, if you will, (laughs) Uh, creating additional, (laughs) creating additional revenue sources is a good idea. Uh, at some point though, this does seem frivolous. Uh, you know, it's a lot
1: of money, man. It's It's a a lot lot of of
0: money. How, how does a stadium, I, I get, you look at SoFi, something like SoFi or even less modern stadiums, like say a Gillette that got redone. And you look at like a Patriots place and the infrastructure that's built around and, you know, relatively the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. Uh, and you can say, oh yeah, that's a good idea. It's you know Nissan Stadium is is you know young, it's very young you know Soldier Field's still kicking around, albeit in a in a lesser form with a failed redevelopment. <laughs> better better example, Lambo Field's still <laughs> sticking around after a much better and successful renovation. Yes. Uh, why is Nissan Stadium uh just so deeply decayed uh, when it was – it barely cleared being built before the year
1: 2000. I mean, yeah, you're dancing all around it. It's, it's a competition at this point. It's, it's the gauntlet being thrown down by the Rams and Chargers, by the Raiders, maybe to a lesser extent with, with a team like the Patriots who have built sort of their, uh, their forest kingdom over there in Foxborough. But it's, it's just about like having the, the shiniest toys – you could absolutely renovate Nissan Stadium, put a roof on it, uh, and it would cost a lot less than $2.2 $2 billion, I, I would have to assume. But the world we live in now is got to have the shiniest new toys, got to try and host the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl comes to the the coolest new stadium. Got to try and get, you know, the old college football playoff to to answer the bell. And that's that's what they're trying to do here. It's definitely... I think frivolous is the operative term.
0: Let's dive right into injury news now and let's kick it off in Dallas. Jackson, I'd like, do you want to do a quick moment of silence for all the uh, debate show hosts that now cannot talk? Uh, The Dak Prescott Cooper cup starting job uh, debate because Dak Prescott has appeared to return from thumb injury. He has been medically cleared to play uh could make his first start as early as this weekend. Teams went four and one the Cooper <laughs> Cup. Uh,
1: the cowards turned Cooper back wise, into no, Pumpkin. Cooper,
0: Cooper Rush
1: <laughs> is the name we're looking for here.
0: <laughs> yes, Cooper Rush. Not... Actually, we had we had two segments or two of three segments where we mentioned the Rams. I apologize. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't call him Cooper Manning. <laughs> As I said, the carrots turned back into a pumpkin against the Philadelphia Eagles. Cowboys sit in the NFC sixth seed right now. Are you excited to see Dak back in play?
1: I would say so, yes. I think this is a much needed addition to the NFC sort of power picture. Uh guys, Cooper Rush was never good, okay? Can we just be honest about that? The Dallas defense is the reason they won four straight games. Cooper Rush. Maybe a little better than expected. Um, I think you'll absolutely take the performance he gave you. He was 17th in DYAR. He was 15th in DVOA. That's league average. That's, that's fine. Like you'll take yeah. that. Dak Prescott, at the height of his powers, is top five in those metrics. It, it is what it is. Last year, he was third in both DYAR and DVOA. He's a quarterback that can win you games that Cooper Rush will either lose you or barely keep you afloat in. So. This is, I mean, I, <laughs> the amount of debate shows that legitimately did talk about this, I mean, kudos to them. They found something to talk about. But this is a no-brainer move, and I'm, I'm, in a way, it's almost good that they lost so that the debate shows couldn't strike up some kind of controversy when the team did exactly what they had to do by returning their their rightful starting quarterback. Content brain is poison, Jackson.
0: <laughs> to, to making everything into a debate show topic into a, uh, a a legitimate argument and trying to, you know, and not everything needs to be laid out in the court of public opinion. Sometimes we can just acknowledge that quarterback is easier than it's ever been. And while the faces of today's game, you know, you look at you know, Buffalo, Kansas city this weekend with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, while the athletic achievements of the top end of the spectrum are you know, better than ever. Median quarterback play is occupied by by a very interesting group. Uh, with you know, playbooks being simplified and, and real offenses being opened up by cre- or opportunities offensively being opened up by just schematic creativity. It's just easier than ever to play quarterback. It's 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 why Cooper Rush was able to at least function at quarterback. It's why there's a current debate in New England with Bailey Zappi and Matt Jones. Uh it's just a just a fascinating fascinating game that we play. But if you look at you know you look at the two quarterbacks, you just, you know, you take their intangibles, you take their skill sets. Zach Prescott was clearly better. Uh, is clearly able to do more uh is clearly elevating talent while uh Cooper Rush works within a system I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think this should have ever been a debate but hey here we are and hey maybe a new quarterback debate gets opened up in the NFC East because the Washington Commanders <laughs> are having a little quarterback switch up Carson Wentz is out for Pretty significant amount of time, roughly four to six weeks, having surgery on a fractured finger. In comes Taylor Heineke, who's mostly run the job more or less for the last two years in Washington. Heineke last year was 22nd DYAR and DVOA. Jackson, you think this ends up with, (sighs) let's reface this. Who do you think walks away with this job by the end of the tenure? Because Carson Wentz does not look good for the first few weeks of this season.
1: Man, it's it's hard to formulate a question out of this story that results in anything consequential, isn't it? That's what I'm
0: saying. That's why I just completely – (laughs) <laughs> you know, recanted on what I just said and yeah. gave you the debate show question. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, "Does this move make the Commanders a viable, you know, contender in the NFC East?" No, of course not. Nothing, nothing they can do right now is going to put them in a position to succeed anytime in the near future. I that's, that that that's the story. Like, Taylor Heineke might be a little bit better than Carson Wentz. I, it doesn't. Doesn't really matter. This, first of all, this is exactly why you keep someone like Taylor Heineke around. Um, People, people would have argued maybe after last or 2020s playoff performance that he, you know, had kind of earned a starting job and and maybe sort of had one last year once Ryan Fitzpatrick immediately got hurt for Washington. But no, I mean he's he's a capable backup. That's what he's always been. And every team who doesn't have, especially a team that doesn't have, you know, a bona fide QB one. Um, When you have Carson Wentz, you need a Taylor Heineke. But the story with the commanders is the experiment just has not played out anywhere near to where they could have hoped it would for the team to be successful. They haven't surrounded him with, you know, a competent offensive line or running game. The defense is very, you know, it's middling at best, bordering on bad. uh, And the receivers are often hurt. So this is this is the team that it is. Uh, does Taylor Haneke save Ron Rivera's job, Kale? Doubtful in my eyes. Jackson, I
0: do not think you're doing enough credit to I I I genuinely think that the roster wise, this is just on roster and depth chart. Like the commanders have a little bit here. You know, if they had, you know, I I think I think Rivera's gone this year. Uh, by the end of the season, I am not, you know, calling for a man's job. I just think that a team at some point needs to kind of change a pace and some sort of change the easiest to make is at the head coach position. But a a stable of guys in Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, J.D. McKissick, a wide receiver trio of, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, uh you know offensive line's been pretty pitiful but like there are pieces there like uh, Logan Thomas at tight end like there's a legitimate infrastructure in there that you can make work with a proper quarterback in the building it's just clearly not been uh the time for it. one more question before we hop off, off this and we'll keep it brief do you think we see Sam Howell enter the picture at all during Wentz's absence
1: Maybe if Taylor Heineke gets hurt, that's that's, I think, the only situation where we would see it. It's not like Sam Howell was picked to be uh, someone who was going to be in the picture to play games this year, I don't think. But I mean, maybe maybe you would have said the same about Bailey Zappi. And we've said we've seen him in there and we've seen him be pretty darn effective. So I won't I won't completely nix the idea, but I am I'm not counting my chickens on that one.
0: Alright, let's go rapid fire through these last few because we have been very uh very talkative of this, but a lot of news. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett will play if he clears concussion protocol. Mitchell Trubisky subbed in last week. Combined efforts helped them beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jack, do you actually think it's the
1: right call to go and pick it here? Absolutely. What are you Mitchell Trubisky's fourth quarter against the Bucs aside? We've talked about him ad nauseum on this show. What has he had? Not a whole lot. You've got to know what you have and pick it by the end of this season so you can formulate a better plan for the future.
0: I think just keep, you know, I I agree. Keep giving them opportunities. That being said, it's a tough situation where you have a quarterback that can't elevate a team and a quarterback who's not quite ready to elevate a team in an offense that is very, very stacked. You know, watching any given Sunday this weekend, it's just – a lot. It's a lot of comeback routes. It's a lot of short and intermediate passing game. Uh, honestly, did I you think just say Mitchell structure.
1: Trubisky can elevate a team?
0: I said he can't.
1: Yeah. Okay. There we go. No, we're on the same page. No, where you were going with that one?
0: No, no, Mitchell Trubisky cannot elevate a team. Excellent. All right, moving on. Moving on to the Rams. Yet another offensive line loss for this team. Joe Noteboom done for the year with an Achilles injury. Jackson. Let me rattle off the list to you of just guys that they've lost. Center Brian Allen, guard David Edwards, guard Tremaine Ancrum, center Coleman Shelton, and guard Logan Bruss, and now Joe Nopu. Joe Nopu was one of only two linemen for the Rams that has been able to start every game this season. Man. Is there, you know, this team can still get Van Jefferson back. Uh, This team may make some changes at the running back position. Uh, We've seen reports that Cam Akers may be on the trade block. Is there a way to turn this team around offensively?
1: Boy, um, (laughs) I don't know, Kale. You want to rebuild through the draft? Oh, wait, the Rams don't have any draft picks. They have a second rounder, a third rounder, three six-rounders, and a seven-rounder this year. They, trade, they always trade away all their draft picks, so how are you going to rebuild this offensive line? I mean, the trade deadline's about to pass. I mean, sure, you can pluck guys off of waivers or whatever at this point in the season, but this is this is kind of the bill all coming due for the Rams, for all the capital that they leveraged in order to win a Super Bowl. And kudos to them. They did it. But now they're kind of left on the other side of it with very limited assets, with You know, as soon as injuries start to take a toll on a team that's as thin, both with existing players and future draft capital as the Rams, you're in a pretty rough position. That's where they find themselves. I think the biggest
0: challenge, not only just in the volume of the injuries, is where the injuries are coming. Uh, Having that level of just irreparable damage, there are not enough, you know, Two hundred eighty to three hundred twenty pound, six foot five men uh, to help the quarterback. And unless you're paying them in free agency or getting them through the draft, there is not a real way to replenish that well. Moving to Tampa Bay, Logan Ryan on injured reserve suffered a Jones fracture in his foot week four has not played since. But first three weeks of the season was playing about seventy percent of team snaps. Team does expect it to have him. Team does expect to have him by the end of the season, but right now they've only got three members of this secondary. Jackson Bucks are at three and three right now. How big of an impact is this? And do you see the Bucks clinging to relevancy in a NFC that no one wants to win outside of Philadelphia?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it, to, just to clarify, it's it's three members of the safety core, not just the secondary overall. So not at awesome. least they've got some some depth there. But uh, only one kind of backup safety uh, behind Antoine Winfield and Mike Edwards. I I you know the the Bucks' problems go a lot deeper than Logan Ryan not being there. I still think that there's enough talent on the defensive side of the ball to keep that group afloat. Their problems much more stem from just lack of offensive cohesion right now uh, whether it's Brady and the offensive line getting into spats whether it's just Brady not being as effective anymore um, I think I think you got to start with Tom Brady when you look at whether or not the Bucs are going to rebound from where they're at right now it has much less to do with the safety group
0: yeah they are another team like the Rams who offensively just have dealt with offensive line injuries and it has multiplied to the rest of the offense Uh, i still cannot for the life of me understand why they continue to run it on first down uh i cannot understand why they ran it multiple times and as often as they did against the steelers secondary that was basically all second stringers moving on to another underwhelming nfc team green bay packers wide receiver randall cobb expected to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain an emotional exit being carted off the field at Lambeau on Sunday against the New York Jets. Jackson, Sammy Watkins during the show was announced that he is able to return to practice in a limited capacity activated off of IR. Is there any hope for this Packers offense now 2 games
1: behind the Minnesota Vikings? Maybe, but it's got to start with number 12. I mean, it's it's kind of the same conversation we just had about the bucks it's it's difficult when you've been you know a superstar qb for so long to kind of mold and grow with a young offense and incorporate you know guys that haven't really done it before we we kind of saw the same thing in 2019 with brady Uh, And the Pats very young receiving core kind of headlined by Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period there. And right now the Packers are coming up on the wrong side of that adjustment. Um, So whether it's Watkins coming back, whether it's Cobb coming back, which this actually seems like pretty good news. uh, When you saw Randall Cobb being carted off, you thought maybe his season was over now. He's only out two to four weeks. That's pretty good news. But uh, I mean, Randall Cobb, He's kind of your safety valve. He's your fourth option in the passing game. He's not going to be a guy that makes the difference for this team, whether or not they can turn back into a contender. It's going to be on Rogers gelling with the rest of those young receivers.
0: My biggest thing, honestly, I don't see it as a buck similar issue. It kind of feels like Tennessee last year with a better quarterback, you know, there were stretches where they don't have A.J. Brown, they don't have Julio Jones, but they have guys like Nick Westbrook or Keene step up and actually make plays. There. You know, they, they like, the productivity comes from different places and you have enough guys in reserve to fill that up. Missing those top guys is what's killing them. You know, having – I think Watkins coming back in small stretches is going to be a big help. But, you know, the adjustment period at wide receiver and just getting acclimated to guys – is tough in itself, but I think there's you know you've got to find the offensive production from elsewhere. It's it's getting Aaron Jones involved in the passing game. It's it's leaning on guys like Romeo Dubes and Christian Watson. You've just got to be able to find that additional production. And you know we're also now looking at stuff like you know Rodgers getting a little frustrated with where the offense seems to be going. Uh, you know he's he's calling out quote meaningless motion and you know uh, he's he's going in at length about you know. West coast offense, no motion, just get out, look at what you're, you know, see what you're looking at and make your reads. You know, I think once there's a little bit more offensive cohesion left, you know, talent be damned. I think this team has a decent shot at making a recovery because this, this is Minnesota Vikings five and one record feels like it's built on pillars of sand. It feels very, you know, i i'm a i'm a kevin o'connell guy as much as the next guy i'm a justin jefferson guy as much as the next guy. uh it, it has
1: not been an inspired five and in one start no i mean we we could spend a lot more time on that and we don't have time for it but uh yeah kill made a uh a preseason prediction that uh you know kevin o'connell coach of the year if the minnesota vikings win the nfc north they're looking like they're going to win the NFC North. And I guess that means Kevin O'Connell is right in the mix for coach of the year. We didn't factor in a Brian Dable, but he's right there.
0: It's crazy. I was, I was about to say that we did not factor in the uh, galaxy brand. That is Brian Dable moving over to the hero of Monday night football, Dustin Hopkins playing on a bad leg, collapsing basically every time he kicked the ball and still managed four field goals and a game winner out two to four weeks with a hamstring injury. Jackson, that one felt self-evident. That one felt pretty evident after uh, the way he performed on Monday night and just the grimace on his face every
1: time he kicked the ball. Kickers, it's, it's such an interesting thing because you're not going to carry a backup on the roster. So despite the fact that there's such a depth of talent in the NFL across all positions, all of a sudden, you know, your kicker gets hurt mid-game you're kind of playing without one and Dustin Hopkins was able to rise to the occasion and still keep doing his job when he clearly was badly hampered um obviously the mvp of that game Justin Herbert doesn't throw a touchdown for the first time in 35 36 games this is this is Dustin Hopkins win he's got to recover obviously the team is bringing in uh Taylor Bertalet to take his position for the time being but Congratulations. I mean, that's, that's, that's kicker story of the year so far.
0: I mean, we've got a couple, we got one more here today, at least. Matty Mandola cut by the Cardinals uh, has not been a uh, very productive kicker replaced with Rodrigo Blankenship, former Colts kicker releases this offseason, signed of the practice squad. What was funny to me is that, uh, in order to bring DeAndre Hopkins back to the roster, who is, uh, as we'll mention soon, since returned from his PED suspension, to activate him, they cut their kicker, which feels just about as Cardinals as you can get at the moment. But hey,
1: at least they replaced him with a guy who partied with the Migos at Georgia. Hey, <laughs> that's something, right? I mean, yeah, this, this team uh, has a lot of other problems that need solutions right now besides uh besides kicker and we're going to segue right into that but you think about Matt Amendola missing the 43 yarder from the left hash right after CBS showed a compilation of him missing kicks pregame from the left hash this is also the guy that maybe not single-handedly but certainly contributed strongly to the Chiefs losing at the Colts in week three so it's been a rough season you don't you don't want to see a guy kind of costing multiple teams games across just the first five weeks, but uh, it is something that happened, and now, now you leave the Cardinals looking for a solution. Um, it just goes to show when, when your primary kicker gets hurt, it can, it can really leave you in a bad situation as a team. We've seen it with the Chiefs, and now we've seen it with the Cardinals.
0: The Arizona Cardinals currently ranked 26th in special team DVOAs, and that's dragged down by the sixth worst field goal and extra point DVOA in the league at minus 1.7. Closing out the show with Thursday Night Football News, let's start in Arizona. Bit of a wide receiver switch up for the team, Hollywood Brown, out indefinitely, replaced with former Carolina Panthers wide receiver Robbie Anderson. With adding DeAndre Hopkins back to the fold, is there any hope that the Cardinals can turn their offense around at this point?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, This is, this is a, an offense that's just underwhelmed for a long time at this point. Uh, This is, this is bad. This is not the situation that you wanted or foresaw when you, sign Kyler Murray to his extension at the beginning of the season 2 and 4 is not where you want to be um heading into what appears to be kind of you know uh, you know the loser of Thursday night football is is I, I don't want to say their season's over but it's it's on the edge it's very close if not so um I I just don't feel a lot of hope I mean DeAndre Hopkins is the one right like he's your guy he's the one you signed to be a wide receiver one Even though he maybe has never kind of been the guy in Arizona that he was in Houston, apart from the Hale-Murray play, uh, he still finished seventh in DVOA last season. So if anyone is going to be that spark and kind of give that offense, give that wide receiver group some identity, it's going to be Hopkins. You never know when somebody comes back from You know, in an absence this long, whether or not they're going to be, you know, kind of their full selves right away, if it's going to take them some time, Uh, because when you're suspended, you're also not able to practice with the team. So uh, there's there's a whole nother situation there where, you know, how how well has Hopkins kept himself ready to play for this offense, given the fact that he hasn't been able to work with them.
0: I'm still baffled that this team elected to extend not only Kyler, but Cliff and Steve Keim all in the same offseason. I will say, you mentioned the Hail Murray. Kyler Murray will not have much help to throw the Hail Murray anymore Uh with left guard Justin Pugh done for the year with an Achilles injury. Cardinals, allowed 14 sacks this year have an adjusted sack rate of 6.4%. Jackson, do you see help coming for this team? From where? <laughs> what well, help coming for this team? Do you see any hope for this team at all?
1: Are you Are we going we, we to up, <laughs> are we gonna go play offensive line? I mean, I you talked about a lack of 6'5", uh, 280-pound guys. I mean, I could gain 50 pounds and then go see if I can head out there and play offensive line for the Cardinals. But other than that, I don't see where the help or where the hope is coming from. It's, it's bad. The Cardinals are in a bad, bad situation.
0: I Cliff, – Cliff's leash feels pretty short. Although he did say he'd be calling duties in order to see some success. Move it over to Oates. Saints the have responsibility. yet
1: responsibility. Announce... <laughs> Go
0: ahead. Yeah, That's exactly. Take the blame off me. <laughs> Saints have yet to announce a starting quarterback for the game this Thursday. James Winston has been dealing with a broken back. He's been filled in by Andy Dalton. They also just signed Jake Luton. In terms of help coming their way, Chris Olave. Says he is playing after being out with concussion protocol last week. However, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, who both missed last week's game against the Cincinnati Bengals as well, are still questionable. As is Marshawn Lattimore. Jackson, where do you see this team headed? I don't. I I, I feel like I've got faith in Jameis, but that might just be me. I'm a sucker for Jameis Winston with wide receiver help.
1: This is known. This is known uh, across the, the football landscape that Kale Clinton is one of uh, the primary Jameis Winston believers. Was very funny Jackson, the right? way that you said he's just, quote, dealing with a broken back as if that's just sort of, you know, a nagging injury. The, the guy, you know, <laughs> maybe two, maybe five of our vertebrae that are messed up. We don't know. He's just dealing with it. He's, he's getting himself right.
0: Listen, Jackson, I watched that man dance around a locker room with a fully dislocated knee uh, placed in a leg-long brace. So if he can do that, a broken back feels like a pittance.
1: Pain. That'll do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it for the FO News Show this week. Tune in, as always, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. For Jackson, I'm Kale.